On today's episode of Not Gonna Lie, presented by Student Union Sports, Pat and I discuss AFC standings projections, as well as fantasy players we love and players we hate, with a couple sleepers mixed in. Welcome back to the Not Gonna Lie podcast. It's been a long time away, but we're back. Uh, we being myself and my new co-host, Pat. Pat, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm ready for football. Me too. And, you know, it's kind of the perfect time to get in the swing of this podcast because football season's right around the corner. Um, and there's a lot to talk about, so many things, especially, you know, now that we're kind of have a clean slate. You know, we, we could come up with any opinions we want to do anything like that. But for today's episode, we're going to go through the AFC conference. We're going to talk about our record predictions. We use playoff predictors, um, which is a super cool website. Got to do all of it all in one spot. And it shows um, it automatically takes care of tiebreakers, everything. So uh, I'm excited to get into this. I don't know about you, Pat, but I'm I'm ready. Yeah let's get let's get to it yeah i i you sent it to me and i was like all right we'll kind of see what it's going through and it's honestly just like picking like a march madness bracket mm-hmm. but with something that i know a little bit more about so okay. yeah no i mean honestly same on uh, yeah all right let's i'll have you start off give me your afc uh south so we'll just go bottom to top with the records um and we'll see how how closely we align all right, so I have the Houston Texans as the 15th seed in the conference itself uh, and last seed in the division. They will finish 2-15, and 0-6 um, in the division. Uh, following them, I have Jacksonville, who I'm just not super high on right now, uh, at 4-13, 2-4 uh, and in the division. And then Tennessee... I'm low on they'll still be in contention and a few of these coin flip games could go their way and push them into the playoffs. But right now I have them missing it at nine and eight. And then I have uh, not a shock in terms of where they'll finish in the conference, but a shock in terms of how good they'll be. Uh, I do have the Indianapolis Colts at 14 and three and undefeated in, in division play. Wow, uh, fourteen is a lot. I love them. Yeah, my it's my favorite team, but fourteen is wow is a lot. Let me go through yeah. my let me go through my division rankings, and then maybe let's talk a little bit about that fourteen wins um, and the Colts, of course. Uh, so in last we our our rankings are the same in the structure that we have them a little bit different with wins. So I've got the Texans going three and fourteen. Um, I've got the Jaguars as a bit of a surprise, um, maybe to some people seven and 10 winning seven games. Um, I have the Tennessee Titans also going seven and 10. And then I've got the Colts winning the division finishing up at 10 and seven. Uh, so yeah, you've got 14 wins for the Indianapolis Colts. A couple big offseason moves brought in Matt Ryan, got rid of Carson Wentz, um, Stefan Gilmore, but 14. Wow. I mean, I love it. That'd be great. That's a dream season. But... Yeah. I, 
I love that offensive line. I it's kind of uh, um there are two trains of thought and one is that the line is severely overrated and then there's a, a train of thought that it's aptly rated and I'm a part of the group that thinks Matt Ryan finally has decent protection. Um he f- has a dominating running back that of course it kind of depends on the health at this point but I'm going through this with the idea that, like you can't predict injury. So um everybody's healthy the emergence of michael pittman being what seems like a stud would be great for them uh and then that defense aside from losing a significant portion of the coaching staff is returning a bulk of the players and just adding on to it with um even more talent so i i that's why i'm really high on them um but i will sort of give a spoiler at 14 and three, they're still only the third seed in the um, playoffs for me. Wow. I mean, I, I can't wait to to dive into that one. That seems it's a lot of wins for, you know, three, three teams above at least 14 yeah. if not more. Um, wow. That is, that is fun. This, this is, this is going to be interesting. I like this. Uh, yeah. The other thing, I mean, really just touching on it. Both of us have the Titans missing the playoffs. Um, I feel like in my opinion, where I've got them, they made a lot of moves in the off season that are lateral, if not worse. Um, and it's hard to win games when everyone gets older and you're not necessarily getting better. Yeah. Uh, moving on here, the AFC North, I've got the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns, both going five and 12. I've got the Cincinnati Bengals going 11 and six. And I've got the Baltimore Ravens going 12 and five. The Ravens are my number one overall seed and the Bengals are the top wildcard seed um, in the playoffs. Uh, I have the Browns at three and 14, which includes them entering week 13. Uh, once they get Deshaun Watson back against the Texans, uh, they'll enter that game one and 10 in my eyes. I think that Jacoby Brissett is very bad. Um, get a test. And yeah, um, and uh, moving on, it goes up to Pittsburgh at five and 12, who, you know, here's the thing. We're also betting on Mike Tomlin to finish under 500, and that's not a smart bet, but this is kind of, it kind of feels like this is the year that the wheels fall off for them and him. Uh, I then have the Ravens at 11 and six. Um Impressive squad. I think that they'll make the playoffs at 11 and six. And I think that that's good enough. Um, They would be the second to top wild card for me. I have the Cincinnati Bengals at 15 and two. They are my number two seed, not even number one yet. Yeah. (laughs) It gets better. Wow. Um, Yeah. So that that's kind of where it comes out for me because it's just like a, for me, it's not necessarily chalk in how I pick these games, but it is just kind of a I, – I try to look at it as a black and white thing. Mm-hmm. Put these teams on paper and what do you have? Don't read into the storylines because we're not in the season yet. You don't know who's going to actually be playing in this game. But as of right now, if you were if you were playing a Madden season and simulated and had injuries off, you'd probably get the 15-2 and two Cincinnati Bengals. Mm-hmm. See, and it's interesting that you say that because that's kind of my mindset with the Baltimore Ravens, right? Last season, so many injuries 
so all many. across the board. Um, and I think people forget, you know, they, they know they know how to win in the regular season. The big question is oh, yeah. going to be going into the playoffs, what can they do? But when they're fully healthy, when they've got that full team together, they're they're really good. Like, yeah. they're really good. And, I mean, the Bengals got a lot better. They invested a lot in that offensive line because that was kind of the key selling point. And to be fair, we – I mean, I've talked about this on the podcast, you know, two years ago when they got – uh, you know, when they brought on Joe Burrow, it's like, that's great, but where's the offensive line? And so now yeah. they're answering those questions. Um, this is going to be a good division. I mean, even though I've got the Bengals and or the Browns and Steelers finishing five and 12, they're going to steal a couple division games. Um, it, they're going to be, this is a tough division. Um, not just, I will say that you say that you think that they'll steal a couple of division games at three and 14. That means that the, I have the Browns going Owen six in division play. Mm. Cause I like, while I do think, think that like the Steelers are in the bottom rung the Steelers kind of remind me of like last year's Nebraska in okay. Big 10 just in terms of like they're going to lose some close games that's just the Mitch Trubisky MO and even if he's gone it's not necessarily the Kenny Pickett MO but it's just what that team seems built for right now they are a team though that could absolutely provide a surprise and end up finishing nine and eight or better than that um, they're one of the tougher ones to rank, but just how their schedule lines up, that's kind of why I'm well on them. Yeah, it's there's a lot of uncertainty and things that we don't know until week one. I mean, really week three. Um, and there are some of these teams that we're going to get into that kind of have those things that I'm kind of a little bit shaky on. Um, but we'll keep it moving. AFC East, I've got the New York Jets finishing at a generous 3-14. and 14. Uh, I've got the Miami Dolphins and the New England Patriots both missing out on the playoffs. The Dolphins going nine and eight, the Patriots going 10 and seven. I have nine teams that win 10 games. Um, okay. That's fair. So it makes it, it makes it, it tricky. And some people have to lose out and the way it fell, the Patriots fell, uh, fell out, but number two seed in the AFC, uh, the Buffalo bills, I've got them going 12 and five. That's okay. my point. So I will say that I have 10 teams winning 10 games. Mm. So again, mine is a little bit, the disparity between good and bad is very plain in, in what I've done here. Mm -hmm. Um, I have the jets going one and 16. I think Robert Sala is a good coach. I think that the team is just that bad. Yeah. Um, And Robert Sala, I shouldn't say that he's like a, he's not like a great coach or anything. Like I, I don't think that he, I don't think that he at any point in his tenure in New York will lead them to the Super Bowl. And I think that New York is a little silly in terms of they move on from coaches quickly. Robert Sala will probably get a longer leash because the roster was in such bad shape when he got there. And I and even though that they're going to finish one in 16, it's going to kind of provide a glimpse of like, all right, here's what the plan is, whatever. Um, I have the Patriots and Dolphins finishing equal at 11 and six however the dolphins finish four and two within the division and the patriots go two and four and um because of that the dolphins steal the wild card spot and the patriots miss out all right you ready for this oh i think so i have a feeling number one seed i have the 17 and 0 buffalo bills wow yeah Wow. Yeah. They've got a tough schedule. 
the way that things play out for them, if they stay healthy, I don't think that there is a team better than them in the NFL. And that's kind of where I'm at with them. I mean, can I be can I be honest with you? Yeah. I've got them losing the the first game. I've got them losing to the Rams. To the Rams? So and that could totally happen. And mm. then if that like say that that happens, then they probably finish like 14 and 3. Because if they're 14 and 2 going into the last week, they play the Patriots. Patriots are going to be probably playing for a playoff spot at that point. Bills may have that one seed clinched by then. And then you might see them rush the starters or whatever. And then you'd see New England win that game, and then they finish two and three, or, or or two to with two or three losses. Regardless, if they win that first game, I think it's the start of a very very special journey. They would be the first team to ever win seventeen games in the regular season. Yeah, I mean, that'd be crazy, and they're really good. I mean, I don't want to say are. you know me putting them at twelve and five is not a knock, and not saying that I don't think that they're one of the top teams. I mean, I'll spoil it right now, and we'll talk about it. But whatever, I'll just get out of the way. They're my team coming out of the AFC. The way that they're constructed, the pieces that they've they added. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, we got that out of the way. They're both coming out of the AFC for both of us. Uh, it's just the AFC is so good. It's a gauntlet. It is a gauntlet. So that good. For sure. Like yeah. I, I said that I had 10 teams winning 10 games, and I have seven, I think, in the NFC, which is – all of the playoff spots. Yeah. And when you play a 17 game schedule, all of your playoff teams should be winning 10 games. Yeah. I've got, I've got 10 teams over 500 in that AFC. It's just, it's, it's tough. Um, And I know the way that, you know, I I don't know. It's just, it's just hard for me to put that many wins on a team uh, and put my stamp of approval on it. And maybe that's me just playing scared, but there's a lot of talent. Uh, But speaking, speaking of gauntlet, uh, we've got, the AFC West, which I think we can both agree, we don't have to really debate this. The toughest division in football, 100%. by far, by far the toughest division in football. I have all ten. I have all teams winning ten games in this. Yep, me division. too. Yeah, me too. It, it, they're just that good, and it's the way that the tiebreakers shake out um, that some teams are on the outside looking in. Uh, okay. So you go first with this one to close it out. You you take the lead. All right, because I this is going to come with a couple of shocks in here. Okay. Um, I have Oakland finishing last in the division. I feel like we should go each at a time. I okay. feel like we should. All right, so I have Oakland in fourth, and okay. I have them finishing ten and seven. I've got a three-way tie with ten and seven, uh, but my bottom team, I guess the way tiebreakers roll out is the Broncos, um, and they miss the playoffs. Everyone okay. else makes the playoffs. The Broncos miss it. Ten and seven. I have the. Eight seed, so they miss it with a by tiebreakers. They all also finish three and three in the division. Eleven and six, the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, not I, I, not shocking to me. I will say, not shocking. And we could talk about this once we get through, or once they they show up on my list. Um, my number three team is uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. Got them ten and seven. And just as I, I have I have everyone going three and three in the division. I just have everybody splitting games. It seems like. The way that it, it just makes the most sense. Maybe it's kind of lazy on my part, but it's, yeah. They're the seventh seed. They take the last wild card spot, Las Vegas Raiders. Okay. So then in the two, I have the Chargers at 12 and five. I think that defense got got better this offseason. Um, adding Khalil Mack is just always going to make your team better. Yeah. Um, especially 
now that he is not the like premier piece on that defense either, you're focusing on Joey Bosa on mm-hmm. the other end of that line, and then you still have Khalil Mack yeah. coming after you. Um, I have them at 12 and 5, 3 and 3 in the division as well. So the third team that is tied at 10 and 7, uh, I've got the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay. 10 and 7. They make the, the playoffs, they're six seed. Um, so I maybe you might have thought that it would have been more of a shock. That's what I'm assuming was the, having the Chiefs where you had them. Uh, yeah. but, but I'm with you. 10 and 7. Um, let's get this last team out of the way and then we'll and then we'll talk about it. All right. So obviously we know now uh, I have the Broncos winning the division. I have them finishing 13 and four. Mm. I think that Russell Wilson plays a major piece in just kind of being that missing piece to them. I'm also in love with Nathaniel Hackett as a head coach um, and brings a completely different vibe than the one that Vic Fangio brought for the last couple of years. A little younger, a um, little, little <laughs> younger. Um, and, uh, the (laughs) defense has also been built up. Denver kind of did it how you would want, you would theoretically want to run your team in terms of they did everything and then they got the quarterback because it's, it's always like, well, it doesn't matter if like your quarterback's great. If the team around them stinks, they made sure that like the team around him was, would be very good. And then they went out and acquired Russell Wilson. And even giving up Noah Fant in this, the weapons are still there. The offense is still there, especially with a quarterback of his caliber. Never received an MVP vote. But, like, the defense is just, in in my eyes, per, the team is well-balanced enough to take over this division. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's very, very like, extremely reminiscent of what they did with Peyton Manning. Um, yeah, a while back, it's like the exact same, except you know they had to give up capital as opposed to signing him outright in free agency. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think the team is good. It's just like I said, the AFC is so freaking good. There's yeah. so much talent. It's, it's tight. Like there's the margin of error is going to be razor thin for a lot of these teams. You, uh, you don't, you don't have a wrong answer when you're picking a winner in this division. Yeah, like there are, there are reasons and ways for each of these four teams to win the West. Yeah, my, my top team is the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. I've got them going eleven and six, three and three in the division as well. But I think the big key piece that everybody listening is going to want an answer for um, is why we're both lower on the Chiefs. I mean, we both got them making the playoffs still. Wait, or do you have the missing? I have the missing. I have them as the eight, but just on a tiebreaker. So they theoretically could. Yeah, I've I've got them in a wild card spot, but on a tiebreaker as well. Um, You start, you go, you give your reasoning, um, and then I'll I'll chime in for a couple pieces. I assume we're thinking very similarly, but I'll chime in here um, and kind of pick up whatever you may not mention. So it's not even that like the... It's not that like the NFL has figured out the Chiefs. It's not that it really at all, even though there is an element to, well, I mean, the Bengals beat them twice to end the year last year in terms of just winning at the end of the year to clinch and then winning again to advance to the Super Bowl. Mahomes is obviously still a special player. The receiving core is extremely suspect. And the fact that like that is not a major talking point in this offseason, their running game is unproven in terms of Clyde Edwards, Elaire is, is very good, but what's going to be the usage situation there with uh, Pacheco and then also Ronald Jones. And uh, I feel like I'm missing Jerick McKinnon maybe. Um, yeah. I mean, kind of. 
yeah uh jerick mckinnon isn't even missing jerick mckinnon um and the defense is just they they got a lot of things to go their way last year and last year could have been a year in which they struggled to make the playoffs obviously that was not the case and then they go to the afc championship so it's it's tough to think back on that and then keep them out but blank slate considering the rest of the pack if if the cards like fall or if the chips fall where i think they may then they're the odd team out here including the raiders too at 10 and 7 but like in an extremely competitive conference sorry but it also doesn't help that you have Matt Nagy on your on your coaching staff. Yeah, that's never good. That yeah. is never a good sign. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with a lot of what you said. I will say, just adding on, um, you talking about people figuring out how to beat the Chiefs. I'll tell you how you beat them. You win a shootout. You score more points than them. Yeah. Uh, and I don't mean that in like a you know a, a elementary like oh you you know you put more points up than they do. But really, that's the truth. How did the Bengals beat them? They just you know. It was it was a consistent. I, I've I, what that was the game where Jamar Chase had like 300 yards in the regular season, if I'm not mistaken, right? Was that the game where he been that really, one? Yeah, I'll look, but I'm pretty sure that's right. Crazy, yeah. Uh, so it's that's the secret, really. And you know, these last couple of years where the Chiefs were able to survive without a passable defense, they were far and above the best offense in football. That's not the case anymore. They might not even be the best you know, they they may not even be top three in the AFC. I can think of a handful of teams that are really good, uh, that have that flair and flash, but also just that consistent getting yards. I mean, Buffalo, uh, lot, the, the chargers, the Bengals, the Ravens, um, it, there's even the Broncos look at it in their division. There's so many high powered offenses yeah. that you can't get away with that anymore. Add on to the fact that they've lost Tyron Matthew. The defense is, not getting better uh, and the offense is staying stagnant. That's not going to work in this AFC. It doesn't happen. 266 yards, 11 catches on 12 targets and three touchdowns. Yeah. So he went crazy. Yeah. Uh, and and really that's, you know, that's kind of the, the, the mold now. And there are teams, there are offenses now, and I can confidently say that. And I think you'll agree with me that are built um, that can compete with the chiefs and might even be better than the chiefs. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. So to let's wrap this up here. Let's just go through um, our seven playoff teams. And as we mentioned, it's kind of a weird, like there are some tiebreakers for both of us um, that, that shake it up in a weird way, but I've got the Ravens winning uh, the comp or I have the Ravens with the number one overall seed in the conference at 12 and five, the bills at 12 and five chargers at 11 and six Colts at 10 and seven. And then the wildcard teams are the Bengals, Chiefs, and uh, Raiders. The Bengals are 11 and 6, Chiefs and Raiders both 10 and 7. All right. Well, now I'm going to sound like an idiot, but I have the Bills at 17 and 0, uh, uh, the Bengals at 15 and 2, the Colts at 14 and 3, the Broncos at 13 and 4, the Chargers at 12 and 5, the Ravens at 11 and 6, and the Dolphins at 11 and 6. I mean, listen, we're not, you know, you're, you're, you're making your predictions. And I, I like the way that you explained it. It's like, you're going week by week team versus team, not really leaning into the storylines. And that's, you know, kind of what we're looking for. I, I might've gone a little bit more of a safer route per se, yeah. but 
it's going to be well, fun. Like, here's the thing: the records might not be accurate, but I'm I'm pretty confident in who I've chosen to go to the playoffs. Agreed. At, at the very least. Agreed. I, I like I like that structure, and I, I would agree with you know my teams as well. I think the the, the way that they're built out, um, I feel confident in in putting that mark of approval on them. Um, it's good. It's crazy good division. So good. Yeah. Uh, all right. Moving on, shifting gears here. Um, a lot of people may have already drafted their fantasy football teams. Maybe not. Maybe it's this weekend. I know Labor Day is very popular. I've got like three drafts coming up this weekend. Um, so it's 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 a busy time. We thought we'd go through uh, and just talk about each each uh, section or excuse me, each position here. Um, we're going to be giving uh, a guy we love, a guy we hate, and then a sleeper. Um, so, you know, we were, we were talking about this before. We're going to try and keep the sleepers into the 10 plus round. So we're not going to give you, you know, like a Juju Smith Schuster as a sleeper. Um, that doesn't, you know, that, doesn't, that feels like cheating a little bit. I'm not saying that he's on the list for me. I don't think that he is, um, but, or I know he's not, I should say. Um, but let's start it off with quarterback. So Pat, guy you love. Uh, sorry, I have dogs in the background. Um Players that I specifically Colts. I mentioned that I think that they're going 14 and three. And I love that structure of the team right now. And they're going to have a dynamic running attack and everyone's taking Jonathan Taylor in the top three of their draft. And they probably should. That's a great pick quarterback wise. He's going to last on the draft board. You will be able to survive a pretty long while with Pat or with uh, Matt Ryan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, there are, I have leagues. I have a 12 team league where we're none, nobody's really big on having two quarterbacks on the roster. Um, so I was able to actually get Matthew Stafford. I picked him up off of like from free agency after the draft ended. I didn't draft a quarterback. Um, but yeah, Matt Ryan is definitely available in my leagues. He's going to be available at the end of the draft or, you know, uh, in, in free agency. I, I love that pick. I should mention we're the way that we've structured this is that our loves and kind of our hates too are players that you're not going to find in the first three rounds specifically, just like the, the first three rounds typically will go chalk and then you're going to have like Josh Allen go. Yeah. Um, like I, I drafted Josh Allen. It didn't really matter, but I drafted him with the, the 12 team. I had the first picks and then I had 24 and 25. I drafted him at 24 interchangeable with 24 and 25. But technically, I can say that I drafted Josh Allen with the second round pick. I'm happy with that. Like, I don't, no regrets about that. Um, but in terms of who's going to last on the draft board, Matt Ryan's going to last on the draft board. Yeah. I think uh, my guy that I love kind of marrying, um, like going off of, of what you said, guys that are pretty tied together pretty closely, I would say, um, in terms of ADP. Uh, is Jameis Winston and Jameis. I'm a big Jameis guy. Always have been. I mean, you can look back and listen to any of the podcasts that I've ever James done. One, one. Never. Yeah. yeah Jameis one of one. Uh, I've never got, uh, never had a, a low grade on him at all, ever. Never said a bad thing. Um, and guess what? He's now in a great, well-rounded team who he was on pace for really solid numbers before he got injured. But then you tack on uh, the fact that now they've added three great receivers. I mean, I guess Michael Thomas coming back, I'm counting that as, as a receiver, but um, two two great receivers, 
Chris Olave and Jarvis Landry uh, that I'm really excited about. I mean, he's a guy that's going to be available at the end of drafts. And yeah, I love him. Um, I kind of have, I, I went two routes with, with who I don't like. So I'll, I'll give you the go ahead to start with that so that I don't take your pick. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot of guys that it's tough because with quarterbacks, it's hard to go wrong. There's a lot of wiggle room. Um, but if we're looking at guys, I hate, I mean, it's gotta be Aaron Rodgers. I think the way that this offense is structured, I keep saying whenever I look at draft boards and whether you're picking between Romeo Dubes, Dob Dubes, I I never know. Uh, or Christian. I, I think it's dubs. 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 And I'm not Got joking. It. Like that's a yeah. great name. Uh, it, no, agreed. You know, Christian, uh, or excuse me, uh, Romeo dubs. You've got Christian Watson. You've also got, um, wow, I'm blanking on the name now, Alan Lazard. And it's like, oh, he's got to throw the football to somebody. It's like, yeah, that's, that's who he has to that's throw the, the football problem. to. Um, and yeah. especially, you know, if you don't have that um, elite, you know, those elite weapons anymore and you're not running like you used to for the ADP, for the position, um, that's scary. I, I avoid him. I don't touch him. Um, just simply based on where he's going. All right, so I'll be honest. I The way that I attacked this was because I know that we're talking about the NFC next week is mm-hmm. that I stuck to strictly AFC players. Okay. So you're going to notice that on my board here when you're going to be like, wow, Pat really loves the AFC. I'm strictly sticking to AFC players on this. So that's why it was also very tough to do that. Um, Understandable. Because it cuts the player pool in half. Yeah. Um, I said that I'm down on Patrick Mahomes. I think that he's going to be overdrafted strictly based on name value, where it's mm-hmm. if you miss out on him, don't feel bad about it. Um, and additionally, people love to reach on QB2s mm-hmm. in leagues that I'm in. I feel like I'm like not even in a two-quarterback league, just <laughs> when it's like, well, my quarterback's going to go down. Might as well get a safe bet. And he was super popular last year because he had a pretty decent stretch two years ago, and it just isn't worth it, is Ryan Tannehill. Mm. Ryan Tannehill, avoid. That's someone who I have not been interested in in my draft board this year. Um, However, someone who I think is being undervalued quite a bit is, uh, I don't know if he'll be there at at 10. He probably will be. depending you just have to know who's in your league kind of a thing is uh Tua. Mm. I think that Tua could have a really good year. He also might not, but I think that he could have a really good year and uh the expectation for him is pretty low right now even though even though that there are a lot of like false flag expectations on him right now, but whatever. Yeah, I mean that's the the most difficult part for me is like I just really feel like I can't touch him based on all of that information, um, it's scary. It's very scary to me. Um, and I uh, I know he's got upgraded weapons. Everything's better, should be better. I don't hate it, you know, especially as a sleeper, um, but I, just, I also wouldn't touch him at all. Um, yeah. But my sleeper um, is a guy who, who is getting drafted um, and he's getting drafted in, you know, the 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 middle rounds especially as far as quarterbacks go but we're talking about a guy he's qb 11 on the board that i'm looking at right now 
but I legit think that he's got a really good shot to finish as minimum QB five, um, if not higher. And that's Trey Lance. Um, obviously rushing upside is a huge plus just the weapons that he's got is, is massive. Um, but looking at what Trey Lance can do in that offense, looking what, uh, you know, especially with a year under his belt of understanding how it, go, uh, how, how it kind of works um, and the emergence people are saying of Brandon Ayuk in camp, it's kind of a nice little recipe. Um, and so my sleeper quarterback, even though he's, you know, going in that middle rounds, but just incredible value is Trey Lance, in my opinion. I am super low on Trey Lance. We'll kind of get to that next week, but yeah. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll save it. We'll, we'll table that. Um, I don't think, and I also, in light of recent developments, I don't think that it helps that they just extended Jimmy G. That's just my takeaway, but whatever. Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, we, yeah, let's, let's table, let's table that discussion for next week. We'll leave a little, a little a teaser, we'll, we'll a little teaser. cliffhanger. Yeah. yeah, exactly. All right. Moving over to running backs. Who's a running back that you love? I love uh, Damian Pierce with the Texans. Understandable. Um, there's part of me that's thinking that they're not going to run it a hell of a lot because they're going to be losing in a lot of their game scripts. Um, but he just, he looks fantastic right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that he could really blow up. He could easily get a thousand rushing yards this year and um, we'll kind of see what he does in the past game. I don't really know what that offense is going to look like, but if Pep Hamilton's running it, then I would assume that they're going to get him involved in, in that as well. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like the way that the Texans have structured their games that they've won, if you look back to like last season, they really tried to establish a run and they were somewhat successful. I mean, it's ugly games, but if you look, like think about that Chargers game, they were, they really did their best to establish the run. The defense obviously played great, but the, if they are successful in doing that, he's going to be a big reason why, and maybe it makes it easier on him. I love Damien Pierce uh, as well, but my guy that I am leaning towards, um, just given everything, especially now with the release of Sony Michelle, Chase Edmonds feels really good. The more I read, the more I kind of digest, and now with that Sony Michelle news, he's they're saying he's 1a as a running back but do you really trust Raheem Mostert I don't so really that's kind of what you're left with they gave him the most money there's a lot of you know all that talk of reading into it but really I'm not looking at the the contract as much as the fact that they took away a guy who I thought was going to be vulturing shares away from uh Chase Edmonds so now that that's gone in my mind it's like the doors open uh and the possibilities are endless for Chase Edmonds. Um, yeah, I'm going to spoil then my sleeper because he was my sleeper oh, okay. for those exact reasons. Okay. Because um, in, in the drafts that I've seen him go, um, it's almost like people think that he's still being handcuffed by James Conner, and that's not the case because Raheem Mostert and Miles Gaskin are not that. Um, so I'm really kind of excited to see him get that, that role. He'll get into the end zone this year. He yeah. didn't last year, mm-hmm. and he still was dynamic in the fight in the in the fantasy game. Um, so he's my sleeper there. I will say that quickly. My hate is uh, Travis Etienne. I like it. I really do. Um, yeah, just not a fan of that Jaguars offense, and not a huge fan of the offense that Doug Peterson runs. So they're going to throw the ball a lot. They're not going to be successful with it, but they put too much money in it for it to fail. 
um, and he's going to kind of go in with a less of a developmental um, state of mind and instead try and meet expectations that never were going to come to fruition. So uh, that's why I'm down on them and him. Mm. My so my running back I hate is uh, Nick Chubb for reasons we kind of talked about just the way the Browns are structured. It's a weird team. We both don't have them winning a lot of games and he's going as RB eight, uh, which is scary because Kareem hunt uh, is the guy, you know, who's going, unless he gets traded and it's open, you never know, but Kareem hunt is going as RB 34. And I could, I could list off numerous running back pairings that it's like, man, look at, look at ETN. I mean, I am, am, really loving James Robinson just because of the value, just because of what people have been saying coming out of camp of like, he's, he's running back one. Um, and so at that value, he's listed right now as running back eight, Nick Chubb is. Um, and it's that scary. I, I don't, yeah. I, I wouldn't bet any sort of money on him finishing as an RB one. Um, and the, you know, the fact that he's going there, uh, there's just other value in my opinion, there's other guys out there. So that's a running back. I hate. I dig it. I already gave you my sleeper, so go ahead with that too. So my sleeper um, is actually uh, a guy who I mentioned, is James Robinson. Uh, okay. For reasons I said, he's you know he that's also works. why I hate Travis. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah. yeah, yeah, it kind of plays yeah. it kind of plays into it a little bit. Um, but the reports are saying that he's the guy, the running back one coming out of camp. Um, the Achilles injury is scary, yes. But leaning into that, that's why he's so valuable. Right now, he is running back 42. Yeah. He's getting drafted around Kenneth Gainwell, Michael Carter, uh, and James Cook. And, uh, you know, and Daryl Henderson is there. I love Daryl Henderson. We can talk about him later, you know, perhaps if we if we get into that next week. But right now, James Robinson, especially how I feel about the Jaguars, and I feel like they can take a little baby step forward, having him, I think, is valuable. And he's a guy I'm looking for in a lot of my drafts. Uh, moving on to wide receivers. Uh, I love everybody loves, um, Jamar Chase mm-hmm. because of that. T Higgins becomes somewhat of an afterthought. Uh, and if he's your, if he's your sleeper, I'm sorry for spoiling it, but like even Tyler Boyd is being slept on because he's not going to get the influx of targets, but he's still there and he's still a prominent catcher or pass catcher. You probably don't have to draft him. You're probably going to be able to scoop him later, but just an interesting one to keep your eye on, but I love T Higgins this year. Yeah. Um, a guy I love is somebody that I feel like he, he made a big, I wouldn't even say that he really hasn't had an opportunity to make a name for himself yet. Um, but got a big upgrade at quarterback. That's a lot of the things I'm looking for is you, you talk about guys that are in different positions where they've gotten better. I had a very weird feeling about this. All right. It's, yeah. It's not, it's not Michael Pittman. I felt like Michael Pittman was, you know, the way he, he keeps going up draft boards. I took him in the third. I took him early third in my, in my 12 man league. That's how, yeah. how good I feel about him, but it's, it's a different receiver, uh, a, a big receiver, but it's Cortland Sutton. Um, and there's a lot of talk about, Who's really going to come out of that? Uh, Who's going to come out of that, of that uh, offense being that clear wide receiver between Jerry Judy and and Cortland Sutton, but he's got the makeup of look look at what Russell Wilson did with, with DK Metcalf. Yeah. Now you put him on a team. 
Corlin Sutton is a more talented DK Metcalf. Maybe a, a, not as not as big, but yeah. the talent, like the the snap in snap out talent, is far better. And I think you know the reports are that Russell Wilson has fallen in love with Cortland Sutton, uh, which makes me also fall in love with Cortland Sutton. Uh, I love you so much for that because my hate is Jerry Judy. Mm. Uh, for that exact reason, Cortland Sutton is wide receiver one, and when Russell. Uh, Here's the thing. He's going to enjoy having two wide receivers and Judy's still going to get a handful of targets and whatnot. But I think that he's just being overdrafted when Cortland Sutton really should just be the de facto one there. Um, and, and I, they're very evenly rated right now on a lot of draft boards. And I don't think that that should be the case. So that's why he's my hate in this like, I love Jerry Judy, but I, he's my hate in terms of fantasy right now. Yeah, uh, it's it's difficult. I mean, look at Tyler Lockett. Outside of a few big games, the more we progressed out of his, um, like, out of his prime, he really kind of fell off. He he was good for those, like, just absolutely insane boom games, but then didn't show up. And that's difficult to do. Um, I mean, it's a guy you can take a chance on, but I, I'm with you. I, it feels like Russell Wilson kind of has that guy he more leans towards. Um, yeah. And just comparing the two situations, it, it seems like there's going to be some overlap. Uh, guy I hate, um, Keenan Allen. Mike uh, Mike Williams is over Keenan Allen on all my boards. You look at this offseason, the Chargers threw Mike Williams the bag. Keenan Allen, yeah. if you look at his numbers, has regressed every year for the last three years, I think it is. Um, and I feel like that's going to continue. Um, there's just other weapons uh, uh, a guy who, okay, I won't say, no, I can't. Okay. That's it. I, I've got to save it for later. Cause I don't want to say anything else. Um, but, uh, yes, my, don't like Keenan Allen. Think Mike Williams is the sure. guy. I think there, there are other people that are going to be put into good positions that just ultimately takes away from Keenan Allen. I think he'll have a good season, but at the value right now, he's a uh, wide receiver 13. So it's top of wide receiver two. Not that for me. Not for me. Fair enough. Um, who's your sleeper then? My sleeper is the new wide receiver one of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Christian Kirk. All right. They threw it, they threw money to him for a reason. Um, and I think that that we're gonna I think they're gonna get him involved. Uh I yeah, I dig that. Um it's almost like uh Shout out to our friend Harrison, uh, who we're both going to see soon uh, in a couple of weeks. That's and right. the fact that we both quote the other guys very, very frequently, and it's Lundell Global, uh, they're in everything, and it's uh, they won't fail because they're too big to fail, was like the whole gist of that. And it's Doug Peterson won't run because he's his ego's too big to run. Mm hmm. They're going to pass the ball yep. a lot this year. Um, and so I totally get where you're coming from. My sleeper, uh, I'm drafting him as much as I can. And when I say that, I've done two drafts, and then he always goes right before I pick him, mm. thinking I have the steal of the draft. Um, and it's George Pickens with the Steelers. Mm. Um, he's going super late in each round or in each draft that I've done, I think round 10 and one and round 12 in the other, which was shocking. And honestly, when he got drafted in the 12th round, I was like, wait, I thought that he was already gone. Like, I didn't even see him. Um, 
the talent level is insane. And training camp kind of started with everyone thinking that he was like the next greatest receiver of all time. And it was like, oh, George Pickens, he's probably not even going to be that good. No, he is everything that like they have said about him. He terrific route runner, terrific speed. Like he's, just, he's, he's him. He's a very good wide receiver. Um, and he's blocked by Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. But if your quarterback likes to, he's going to get you the ball. And that's what we've seen from Mitch. And we've also seen it from Kenny Pickett. So George Pickens, huge sleeper for me from the wide receiver position. Tight ends. Yeah, let me let me take this first one. We'll go through super quick. But let me take the first yeah. one because it leans into kind of what you were saying. Tight end I love is, is Pat Fryermuth. Yes. All right, cool. I love that too. Because I don't have him written, but I I was between him and another. So. The last couple of games was really when he started to get consistent snaps in the offense, uh, and he delivered six touchdowns in his la- in the last ten games. He had seven overall, which is already pretty high for a tight end, let alone a rookie tight end. And I yeah. think he takes that next step up. And like you said, it's kind of a weird wide receiver room. And if George Pickens does turn into that, you know that that's great. But still, the guy in the red zone. Uh, and it's different, different quarterbacks, but it, it feels like that guy, um, you love having a Pat Frymuth, a guy like that um, on your team. And I think that he's going to give fantasy uh, owners a consistent floor. Um, and there's a really good chance, in my opinion, that he sniffs double digit touchdowns this season. That's with poor yeah. quarterback play. Um, no, I love that. He's, he's, he's a, He's a good one with me, and it's the fact that he ended his season so well, in, in my eyes. Mm-hmm. I mean, like he, we knew he was a he was a popular pick to kind of blow up last year as like a good rookie tight end, and then he did so in such a fashion later in the year where it was like, all right, now you have this, now you have the step to kind of go off from there. Um, I love, and a lot of people are hyping him up, which concerns me a little bit, but David Njoku. Mm, yes. makes a lot of sense to me. Yes. With Jacoby Brissett as your quarterback, your tight end is going to get a lot of targets. Um, he had me thinking Jack not... Doyle was an elite tight end. That's how much he was throwing in the ball when he was with the sure. Colts. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I, so that is why I have David Njoku. Um, plain and simple. Yeah, um, I love it. I don't like... His quarterback is my was my sleeper pick. I don't like from the tight end position just because of all the other weapons around him. Uh, Mike Kosicki, not super high on him. And I think that a lot of, I think that he's being overdrafted right now. Agreed. Uh, there, There's only so, especially with my belief in where two is at, there's only so many targets to go around. Um, and yeah, Mike Kosicki is, is a bit of a concern for me. My guy I hate is actually Darren Waller. I think a lot of his value at the tight end position has been propped up by the amount of targets he gets. Well, guess what? Devontae Adams, who is just a target monster, has come into town. Not to mention, towards the end of the season, Hunter Renfro was already picking up a lot of targets as it was. And soon there's not going to be a lot left for Darren Waller, in my opinion, where he's going um, as the tight end five. That's scary to me. Yeah. I mean, when you when you've added Devontae Adams into the mix whatever and Darren Wall and you're right Darren Waller Darren Waller was drafted with Travis Kelsey and George Kittle last year mm-hmm. and did not produce nearly the numbers to do so 
and it just made it more difficult for himself this year yep. the way that, the, what the team has done um sleep sleeper we've talked about this team somewhat extensively his name is albert mm. beautiful pronunciation thank you i was very proud i'm proud of it because yeah. i i'm fairly certain that i was accurate with it um with Noah Fant gone, kind of opens up the door for him to continue to get a lot of targets. And uh, it gives Russell Wilson a great safety valve when he – it felt like he missed that the last few years in Seattle. So I'm excited for him to kind of get that back. All right. My sleeper, and this is – I was I did very good. I held my tongue because I didn't want to spoil it. And maybe I already did. Maybe, you know, uh, I just want you to, I just want you to tell me, and this isn't my guy. Cause obviously he's not, um, I don't think he's there anymore. He might've retired. I don't know. I don't know where he went. Do you know how many targets Jared cook got last year? 34 year old tight end, Jared cook of the Los Angeles chargers. How many targets did he get last year? If I'm going to take a guess. And if you're asking me this, I'm going to say 80, 83. Great guess. All right. He is no longer that guy, but the guy to play his role, Gerald Everett, in my opinion, pretty darn good. That's my sleeper. Especially at the value. Uh, He is going essentially undrafted across the board. um, And he's a guy that you can get late. He's a guy that I, you know, feel comfortable. Like I I will go for Pat Fryermuth later on because I know I can get a guy like Gerald Everett at the end of the draft, if I want to, um, he's a guy that I think, you know, like I said, Keenan Allen's targets are going to go down or or they'll, you know, because I believe so much in Gerald Everett and what he can do and how much they love that tight end position. If you give a 34 year old, uh, Gerald, or excuse me, Jared cook, 83 targets, what are you going to give a guy like Gerald Everett who had a decent year with the Seahawks on a team that really notoriously hates tight ends in terms of, you know, Russell, Russell Wilson. And and maybe that goes against what you were at with Albert. O. it just feels like scary, feels scary to yeah. me. Um, but 63 targets, 500 yards. I think those numbers both go up. Um, and we see that some red zone production based on the value where he's at. I love Gerald Everett. I dig it. All right. Well, this has been a lovely first episode. Quick, quick. Oh. Yes. I had it written down, so I'm going to throw it out there. Love the Miami Dolphins defense. Hate the Cleveland oh. Browns defense. And my sleeper, streaming defenses. That's what I asked. Fair. <laughs> okay, okay. Sorry. I didn't I didn't know we had defenses down. Um, but simply based on start of the season, uh, Indianapolis Colts, anytime you can yeah. start Houston and Jacksonville, beautiful. Yeah. Chef's kiss. Um, okay, yes. This has been a great first episode. I love it. We're back. Football's back. Not going to lie, podcast is back. We are back. All the way. All the way.